Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast, where your guests, Ivan Quiroz and Susana Yankulaska from Kemet Electronics. And we are your hosts, Parker Doman and Stephen Craig. This is episode 196. Ivan has over 19 years of electronic design and development experience in different industries, ranging from aviation to industrial automation. A maker at heart, his technical experience surrounds the intrinsic requirements and detailed developments of circuits. In his downtime, he likes to develop escape room puzzles, sensors, and anything he can 3D print. Susanna is an electrical engineer from Macedonia. She has been with Kemet for seven years as a product manager of electrolytic capacitors for three years. She loves solving problems and Sudoku and is a fan of martial arts and the movie Ip Man. So, have you, Avon, have you ever developed a, a escape room that someone's actually been in? Well, um, I've developed some of the puzzles that have other people been into. So um, it's always interesting because a lot of people get to tell you, hey, I'd like to do this, 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 and that. And at the end of the day, you are like, uh, well, how are you going to accomplish that? And so you kind of have to walk, walk them through what can be done and reasonably. Have you ever done an electrical engineering puzzle? That's like every day, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Uh, eight to five, Monday through Friday. Yeah. <laughs> you must use this oscilloscope and multimeter to solve this problem. <laughs> uh, do not touch here, right? Yeah. <laughs> the first thing, bang. <laughs> um, no, I haven't. Um, mostly because people that like to do the puzzles tend to be people that are very logical with respect to um, trying to put things together that are hidden kind of thing. Um, not too much math, if you will. Gotcha. So um, we have Yvonne and Susanna from Kemet today to talk about electrolytic capacitors. And so what is or who is Kemet, the company, for those that don't know? So here at Kemet, we are a well-known for a, being a capacitor company. Uh, high quality capacitors. We have customers come to us certainly at um, trade shows and say, we love your caps, high quality. Uh, you know, when we can go to, your guys are our go-to guys. But certainly our portfolio has changed uh, drastically from just uh, capacitors. We have some really um, cool products, uh, things including from wireless charging uh, products like ferrite tiles to vibration sensors, um, pyroelectric, uh, infrared sensors, and, and really what gets us excited nowadays are magnetics, uh, inductors, power inductors, and chokes. So, um, so, you know, from listening to your podcast, we probably are very well round up in order to help out with some of those, so you want to pick a component X initiative type of thing. Um, <laughs> We, we have some knowledge um, with, with some of those parts. And, and that kind of give us a good segue uh, really onto, and, and, and something I kind of wanted to touch on. Um, right now, we're transmitting here from um, uh, our Kemet headquarters in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, and we're about eight offices away from our CEO. So <laughs> as we mentioned earlier, he just walked by. So, um, and, and we have a lab, this, this is our cake lab. This is the Kemet Application Intelligence Center. And in, if you think about it, the company 
Kemet is, is invested to get to people that are designing. So our mission is to make design engineers job easier by being able to provide information on those uh, subjects that, you know, you need some, some way of uh, getting approachable uh, type of uh, data or, or information about our product. So, so that's who we are and, and where we're at. Did Kemet begin uh, as a capacitor company? Um, well, Kemet, uh, we are celebrating 100 years uh, this year, actually. And so Kemet has its origins, you know, a while ago. But um, we weren't always a capacitor company. We started, like I say, 100 years when there were um, uh, the, with tubes. And, and, and it, it, got, it progressed over um, with, you know, different uh, aspects of, of the development of materials. So in, in, uh, in, in our heart, we're a material company. We, we know a lot about uh, different materials to make capacitors. Um, and, and now with our new acquisition as well, that we, we have that uh, knowledge on how to make uh, inductors and magnetics. Well, so uh, we're um, mainly interested in talking today on electrolytic capacitors. Uh, and this actually sort of spawns from something that can't remember if it was Parker or I, but but we had mentioned on a podcast a few months ago that uh, we were interested in having someone talk about electrolytic capacitors and sort of, I know Parker doesn't like this word, but demystifying the secrets behind them. And really, <laughs> uh, actually, what's what's interesting is this sort of kind of, in a way, spawned out of uh, something that I was I was dealing with myself. I know I was designing a new power supply, and I was actually talking to someone who has limited knowledge in electronics um and and we were designing this power supply together and we were at the point where we were searching for electrolytic capacitors we knew some of the aspects of the caps that we wanted but he kept asking me how do you know if this is good how do you know if this is bad how do you know where this goes and and what to do with it and it kind of made me pause for a moment because i was like uh, i gotta think more about that because like how do i know that so Stephen, how did you start searching your your right electrolytic capacitor? Well, so the, I knew there's a lot of this particular design was based off of reference designs and uh, a lot of gut feel from having done these before. So I knew that there was a good handful of um, options available, and and mainly it was just cruising over Mauser, uh, no, you know, finding a handful of things that I knew specifically, like brands and and particular aspects of of capacitors, in order to fit the the uh, particular circuit that I was going for. But in terms of like describing all of the uh, information on a data sheet to somebody who doesn't know uh, much about electrolytic capacitors, they this particular person knew value and dimensions. That's what they were aware of. And they would, they would, you know, pick a capacitor based off of those aspects. So I kind of want to dig deeper and go further into electrolytic capacitors and say like, what makes them tick and how do you pick one? That's a very good question. As like uh, any good design question, it, all depends, right? <laughs> so, um, uh, one of the uh, most um, let, let's let's think about a application side, right? And so, if if you're thinking, for example, um, and, and let's say something everybody can relate to, let's think about a um, 
you're trying to harvest energy from a wind turbine. And in order to do so, you're picking up that, that energy and you need to store it. And in, 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 so you're going to store it into some batteries and then you're going to want to use that energy later on. Um, you're going to have to have, while you're trying to um, get, say, for example, you're going to move a motor, for example, um, you're going to have to have those components in there, those electrolytic capacitors that are going to be able to handle the current and and that current is going to be driven by what the load is going to do to you, right? And so what, what I'm trying, I guess I'm trying to boil down to here is that a, while a capacitor is a voltage device, right? We all know like is, is it, what it does to voltage. Um, and if we can go want to go deeper, we should. Um, but at the end of the day, the current is one of the limiting factors that um, describes what your uh, capacitor should, how should it be limited? That's kind of, does that make sense? Do you, do you have anything to add? Well, yes. Um, when choosing uh, the electrolytic capacitor, you start, of course, how much space you get. So you had the right start uh, with the dimensions, um, the voltage, right? And what normally for the electrolytic capacitors is required. Um, required is what is their life expectancy? How do they handle the, how much ripple current they, can they handle? So um, to get to the right one, we need to consider for design um, requirements or what would be the, the design of the application itself, um, like the what is the ambient temperature surrounding because all these drivers to get to the life expectancy of a capacitor will will drive how much heat it will get inside uh, it, in it. And this is driving the ripple current and the ripple current gets from the ESR, uh, um, the ESR. so uh, all of these matters uh, for electrolytic capacitor design. So I've got a application that's probably a lot of engineers would come across is let's say we have a USB power supply. So it's getting five volts at, you know, uh, let's say 250 milliamps. And we're running that through like a 3.3 volt LDO. And we need some electrolytic capacitors to help smooth that out. So what would we look at at specking out some electrolytic capacitors to help that power supply do its job of making sure that 3.3 volts is as smooth as possible? So... It's got to do all with current, right? So, so you mentioned right now you have a five volt and you're trying to get three point three volts out, but you didn't specify how much current. And and obviously, granted, one one of the aspects of um, the current is not the nominal current, but that those currents, those transients, those ripple current. And so let me let me boil down a little bit because I think um, one of the things that Susanna said, and, and it goes back to uh, a lot of people throw some terms around without giving it proper definition before going into the whole details of what a capacitor is. So let me reel it back a little bit. And, and, and let's, let's talk a little bit about you know how Engineering 101 teaches everyone about an ideal capacitor. And they give you a paper, you graduate, and you come out and they're like, ESR what? And so <laughs> that section, or, 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 or just, you know, like, Film capacitors, anyone? 
you know, like, or, or, or even polymer, what are you talking about? Right. So, uh, and, and not to say that then, then you're talking about, uh, an LDO, but a lot of people may, we may be doing, uh, inductors or things of that nature. And, and then you're, you get into inductors chokes and, and you're like, manganese zinc inductor core or <laughs> nickel zinc inductor core what do i need a low loss high loss core what, what so so you get a lot of um information that you kind of uh thought you knew about but you start learning as you come out into um the world so susanna brought in a interesting point right uh, she said that when you're picking your capacitor you want to have a um, know your environment temperature. You want to know your current and your current ripple. So that means if the load is trying to remove current out of the sun from your voltage rail, the current has to come from somewhere. And those capacitors that are close to that load is going to deliver that current in a ripple. So let's say you're trying to turn on and off, I don't know, uh, the, the, the next biggest supercomputer, right? Uh, or not to go too far, a Pi or, or Raspberry Pi or an Arduino switching really fast video or something. And those transients of current that is trying to pull out of the um, voltage rail is going to try to remove that current from a capacitor. Otherwise, the voltage starts hanging. So when we talk about the ability for a load to pull out current out of a capacitor, we're talking about ESR. So an ideal capacitor, the energy within the capacitor when you store it, um, would not have any loss. You would be able to deliver that energy right away. But in the real world, we have ESR, which is the definition is an equivalent serious resistor. And it's really just a resistor. <laughs> It's not really a resistor, but it's it's, it's uh, the the the. It's effectively I, I a resistor, right? It's effectively a resistor in series with the capacitor. Um, and in that resistor, like any resistor would, is going to heat up, and that's when your uh, you know engineering one hundred and one classes come in. It heats up at a uh, I square R rate, right? So your current square times your ESR is going to give that power dissipation. Of, of that component. So you start looking at, okay, so how much is that power dissipation going to heat up my component? So then you go into the data sheet and you find the, the, the thermal resistance. And, 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 and when you go in there, you have that thermal resistance that's going to be, okay, now I have my power, uh, I square R, or I square times your ESR, and then I'm gonna multiply that from the uh, thermal resistance that's found on the data sheet and, and, and that is going to give you a, how much temperature you're going to heat up that component above ambient. And so now you're talking about, okay, is it going to um, be past this, the rating of the component? Is it going to be, um, you know, how long is my life going to be affected based on temperature? So Yes, what, what I can add just to make things much more simpler for um, all the engineers, designers. Um, Kemet has an online electro, uh, uh, life calculator that is actually providing this uh, information or calculation on life expectancy. Normally, if you know some of the um, 
these basic, as you mentioned, basic uh, requirements of dimension and, and voltage um, and how much uh, ripple current you're going to apply to this capacitor. Um, with this online tool, the online calculator, you are able to see exactly what will be the uh, exactly estimated, sorry, um, the core temperature, the thermal resistance, the life expectancy. So all these um, specs are kind of making it easier. It's not just the data sheet. We tried to, you know, make it easier for, for everyone. So um, we've, we've mentioned ripple current quite a bit. And um, ripple current, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's uh, almost entirely de dependent upon the design. The designer uh, is aware of or designs in a particular ripple current and then picks a capacitor that can withstand that ripple current, correct? So there are some limit limitations, right? So our- Of course, yes. So uh, the electrolytic capacitors, as, as we mentioned, they can withstand ripple current. We specify that in, in our spec sheets. Um, however, there are some design aspects if you are using them, let's say less stressed out than what they are rated about, then the, the life can be, um, you can extend the life of what is there um, in the specification. That makes sense. So for example, if you see um, the electrolytic capacitors, um, you normally see a life in hours rating, right? And and can you explain a little bit about that life rating? It, it, so from overall design perspective, that is the rating at temperature? Rated temperature, rated uh, uh, voltage, and rated ripple current, what we say. So it's almost like if it's completely maxed out, so to speak. Maxed out, yes. And so that that rating is very interesting because uh, once you, I mean, unless you're actually uh, going to be designing something at, you know, 500 volts and 105, you know, 105 Celsius and and nine amps ripple current, um, you're going to have a extension of your life of the capacitor um, by quite a bit of a factor. Yeah, I mean that uh, we have the rule of thumb saying uh, for every 10 degrees drop. Uh, the life of the electrolytic capacitor doubles. So you can consider that as a one, one point. Um, another thing is, um, as for the, the voltage, there is, there is no need to derate the voltage with electrolytic capacitors. But if you do decide to do that, um, we recommend going up to 15% duration of the voltage because um, you're gonna get additional extra extra uh, life hours. But if you derate it more than 50%, it's just a waste of why you chose that high voltage capacitor. It absolutely really, you can use it at, at the rated voltage. And so on, on the temperature ratings, that would be the capacitor at ambient or whatever the ambient is plus the uh, the power dissipation temperature from the ripple current, correct? Normally, we say the ambient temperature is the rated okay. temperature. So if you're running this cap at 105 degrees Celsius and it's running, you know, maxed out ripple current and maxed out voltage, it's going to be producing more heat. 
Correct. So the core is capable to to withstand um, additional uh, temperature, let's say additional 10 degrees, 5 degrees C. Okay. And that's what you were saying earlier about the, the core temperature, right? Correct. I, I actually have, I just went to Mauser and pulled up a random data sheet for, I just went to their electrolytic section and clicked on anything and found a Panasonic data sheet. And um, so they actually call out ripple current as milliamps RMS for these particular uh, capacitors. Is ripple current always measured as RMS? And will it always be shown on a data sheet as RMS? In ours, yes. Correct. So, and, you know, kind of talk about yeah. <laughs> their data sheet, but... From our perspective, it makes calculations easier, right? So the RMS part of it uh, allows you to, to perform that um, uh, I-square-R calculation for power dissipation. Uh, the definition by nature of an RMS is pretty much the um, DC equivalent of what you're going to be seeing, right? Uh, and, and so as being DC, is going to be dissipating that power. Now, Ripple is not DC, is something that's going to be switching on and off. Therefore, that's why we take that RMS is to kind of average out that power. Um, it's similar to a resistor, right? As you're powering a resistor on and off, you're not going to have that full current, but rather the ratio of the current uh, uh, and, and the heat dissipation from that. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, certainly uh, the, the purpose of the ripple current is for power calculations with ESR, correct? So you would think because of that, uh, RMS would make sense for sure. So another thing, uh, we've been talking um, a little bit about the life of a capacitor. What does it mean when the life of a capacitor is is over? Like when we say 2,000 hours, like what happens at 2,000 hours? And, and obviously something magically doesn't just change, but what does that mean? Okay, so... No. Capacitor supernovas. Yeah, it just explodes. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Now, what does it mean when the life is over? So normally we have uh, several types of end-of-life um, definitions. Uh, we can have, let's say, me mechanical end-of-life when uh, the capacitor is actually having a split sleeve or uh, some of the vents start operating. Um, we can have a catastrophic failure, right? That would be open or short. And uh, from electrical uh, parameter standpoint, that we normally state um, capacitance change, the delta C um, for, we, ha we have it specified for, um, depending on, on the voltage ranges, um, either 10, uh, uh, 15% or 20% capacitance change that would be the uh, and then we have the ESR change um, it, if it in, it, if it uh, goes above what we specified so we specified three times the initial um, value then that's end of life also the leakage current if it goes out of spec and um, as well the impedance so it's interesting. We we were talking about it this um, this afternoon a little bit. Uh, we picked uh, one of our data sheets uh, in our effort to improve how to read some of these data sheets, and we looked at uh, a couple of things with respect to life expectancy and how we define it. Um, and and I think it's gonna make a great blog post on our side and perhaps a video 
on how to explain this um, a little bit. Uh, with respect to, um, like, like, like Susanna mentioned, ESR, the ESR changes is one failure mechanism. Um, and, and we specify the ESR within the data sheet, but that's the ESR after which, if, if you go and, and, and have a higher ESR than that, the, the capacitor is no longer um, rated to what the original um, state was or, 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 or when you got it. So ESR was one of those things. And, as, and, and also, as, as you mentioned, and, and perhaps I'll let Susanna discuss a little bit the internal, uh, what a capacitor looks like inside, but losing that um, capacitance value is, is, is because uh, over the lifetime, uh, the, the, the temperature, the heat is going to be consuming the, the, the part of the capacitor that gives you capacitance. Okay, so um, from construction point of view, uh, I have one bounding element that I can start speaking of from. So um, what we do is we get a foil that is being slitted. We'll need to we'll need to take a picture of this. We've got uh, up on the video here uh, the actual guts. I've seen the inside of an electrolytic before, but usually because I connect them backwards and yeah, I was about to say I've never actually seen they, one they show, Yeah, they showed it showed me its guts in a way that I wasn't expecting. So <laughs> it almost looks like you could make it at home, but uh, <laughs> believe me, you won't. <laughs> but I'll let I'm, her explain it better. What yeah, that so, looks like inside. So you have the, the foil and then wind it uh, in between um, uh, with paper, um, having taps welded on, on the anode foil, and then uh, those taps are being welded on the, on, on the deck itself, which is actually making the, the connection to the terminals. To the terminals, right. And um, as for as for the capacitance change that we mentioned, so this bounded element is being soaked into the electrolyte, which is uh, making you know the uh, con has this conductivity uh, for the capacitor, and uh, with time it dries up, and that is creating the the capacitance to to change. So it's uh, the dielectric inside there changes, which changes the capacitance level. Correct. Yes. Okay. Is is so, that the main factor of what causes a, a, a an electrolytic to age? Is it just the evaporation or the, I guess, the electrolytic being consumed? The evaporation of the electro, uh, electrolyte is caused by the, the ripple current that is going through it. The, the stress of the voltage so this is over time it's it's um, it's just vaporizing and going through uh, let's say for screw terminals we have uh, the the vent on the deck itself where the terminals are or let's say on on snapping capacitors we we have a vent that is um, at the side of the can or the bottom so one of the things to think about elect, uh, electrolytic capacitors, and, and maybe if we go back to some of the basics, uh, a capacitor being two plates uh, separated by a dielectric. Um, so electrolytic, the dielectric uh, on the electrolytics and electrolyte. Um, and, and so when you build it, you build it as, as if, if you imagine a, 
I was going to say a toilet paper, but um, <laughs> so, a, cin a cinnamon roll. Yeah, a cinnamon roll. That that's a better. <laughs> and 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 you're coiling that up inside the 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 package, and and you dip it into that electrolyte. Now, one of the things when you're doing that current generate uh, and your, that ripple current and that heat that we're talking about uh, with respect to ESR, um, one of the uh, gas that get released within a electrolytic is actually hydrogen and and it, and as you consume or your the, the, the device is being used and it's getting consumed I guess in a way um, that electrolyte is what is going to start losing uh, weight if you will from from the component itself and you're, as, as you lose that electrolyte uh, that dielectric uh, the dielectric is everything within a capacitor. And, and based on that dielectric, you're going to lose um, the, the storage capacity of, of that capacitor. Just as a random tangent, um, can you refill a capacitor? No. <laughs> <laughs> or is that just what Big Kemet wants us to think? <laughs> yeah, <that> big capacitor. <laughs> I'm imagining like a capacitor in like where they like in inject like stakes. To, for grilling, <laughs> yeah. like one of those big syringes. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm I'm assuming that electrolyte is not the same as those sport drinks. So therefore, <laughs> you're not going to it's be the filled with Gatorade. I think <laughs> I think we did actually have a conversation about this on the Slack channel. It's like what what could you put back in a capacitor to refill it? And and uh, um, sweat was one of them, and and Gatorade was another. <laughs> uh, just trying to figure out. So. <laughs> But but I guess the yeah the, the the easy answer is no you can't do that right <laughs> no not advisable not advisable right <laughs> so so the the internal structure and the actual design and and how the capacitor is constructed is actually how um, things like ESR come about right because ESR is the actual plates themselves have resistance and the weld tabs and things have resistance also right like yes. we were saying there's yeah. not an actual resistor inside. Correct. So all all these that you mentioned are one of the main contributors for for the ESR, the tabs, the the paper, um, the the foil, the electrolyte. So everything is contributing for um, the the ESR. So do do uh, electrolytics do they heat up generally fairly even, or do they have hot spots uh, that you have to worry about? Um, what what I've learned so far is that uh, it's normally um, the hotspot is somewhere two at the at one third at the capacitor uh, size. To one third of the way up. Yes. <laughs> huh. That's that's interesting. I'm wondering. I wonder what mechanism causes it to be about that. Well, in no, so one thing I kind of wanted to mention, and, and something we forgot about is, you'll be amazed how much a little bit of cooling is going to increase the life of your uh, components. And in, in the specific electrolytics, uh, removing that heat from the component obviously is going to, ex you know, is going to release, um, it's going to use up less of that capacitor life, if you will. Uh, so just a little bit of air is amazing how much it does, well, any okay, electronics. It's very, right? very helpful, <laughs> mm -hmm. yes. Do um okay so another another I guess tangent 
Uh, I feel like we've we've got a lot of tangents going here, but I'm liking it. Um, do do capacitors change their dimensions throughout their life? In other words, do they swell or are they pretty stable? I mean, I know I've seen bad capacitors and they have the puffy top on them, and uh, and you know oh, that's, that's a that, bad capacitor. Yeah. But it's a bad <laughs> capacitor. But does a good capacitor change its dimensions? If it, it should not. At least the electrolytes it should not should not change the any of the dimensions as you mentioned all those puffs i guess that would be the you know the disc that will be swollen or uh, even the sleep or so that that will co come to its end very soon <laughs> so if you notice uh, in the construction of a lot of uh, electrolytic capacitors and you may ask yourself oh what's that for um, it's got a little bit of a cutout on top like a square or a, like a star shape um, not really a cutout, but like a, a V scoring on top of them, which is acts as a valve, if you will, for uh, pressure release. Uh, so that uh, electrolytics, as, as I mentioned, they, they do um, tend to release um, uh, hydrogen. And, and so one of the things that, uh, that, that, that allows to is for easy escape of that uh, pressure built up within the component. I think we have one paper uh, already written by our uh, FAE Sam about the hydrogen generated in the electrolytic capacitors. That's a good point to to have it shared. And and I'll take a picture of this. But you're talking about the the plus sign, uh, the, the yep, plus sign the that's sign. that's etched. So that is purely for if it does catastrophically fail <laughs> it doesn't catastrophically fail really bad right it doesn't that, turn into a grenade it has a yeah. mechanism to release early i guess pressure valve yeah and yep. is, is that because the electrolyte boils um i'm not sure if it boils but it's more because of the gas it, in, inside that's the pressure and then it gets released in that way Normally, when it's working in under conditions, the, there is again this pressure building up, but it's it's going slowly. But if if it gets overstressed, then it will blow up. And here's when we talk about being able to um, size your capacitor correctly for the the right ripple current, right? So let's say you do have your application and you say, oh, our our application can only handle um, two amps of ripple current. But then you go and connect something crazy and, and start using 20 amps of ripple current over a certain amount of period of time. So that's when you start seeing these type of um, uh, issues when you're overstressing a component in, in the way that uh, it shouldn't be. So, so that life starts being affected by, by the ripple current. Again, that ripple current, obviously, um, I, like I mentioned, it's kind of, <laughs> we talked about it quite a bit, but the I square R, is definitely something to to watch out for if if anything so and, and it's not only that but it, it only is if you think about it is it's not only affects electrolytics it also is going to affect uh any of the other uh dielectric so uh, film uh, they, they have exactly the, the, the same mechanism um and in in a lower obviously at a lower scale um mlccs also have that um, so, so that ESR part part of the overall um, construction of the capacitor 
is is going to generate heat that's going to uh, you know heat doesn't and ele electronics doesn't work well together so ripple current and uh esr are in a way inherently linked right certainly so uh what other factors uh exist in uh, a data sheet that we would need to know about that's a good question because it, it, only until you need something is well oh let me check the data sheet does that have in there um but one of the things that um a lot of people like to go and, and is very important is the impedance impedance is one of those tools that um if if and, and we probably need to um go back again to uh electronics 101 right and, and, and discuss, well, what, what is impedance? And, and the impedance of a capacitor uh, at its core value is going to be, is going to have a resistive value, which we've been talking about, is the ESR part of it. And, and then you're going to add that reactive value, which is going to be um, the uh, reactive, the, 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 the capacitive reactive and the inductance reactive value for it. Um, and, and, and those are going to be some values that are going to change um, based on frequency. Okay, so, uh, and if you go back way back to your, your early classes, um, the, the impedance of a capacitor is uh, one over uh, two pi frequency times cap. And so you can see how as uh, you're increasing frequency, um, being in the denominator, your uh, impedance is going to be lower. And, and if you think about the capacitor uh, as a whole, uh, you can drive a line sloping down um, in, in, with your impedance on the left and, and on the y-axis and, 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 and on the x-axis you have your frequency, that slope down of, of um, impedance or, or reactance, capacitive reactance is going to slope down. But as you get uh, higher and higher in frequency, you're going to see that the inductive reactance value of the capacitor is going to start increasing. And if you go back to your overall um, equations, the, the reactive uh, inductance is equal to 2 pi times the frequency times the inductance. And so as you go up in frequency, that's going to go and show you a slope that's going to go up. And so as, as you see at one point in frequency where those two lines cross, um, you're going to have a point, and that's called actually the self uh, self resonance frequency. Um, and, and, and that point is where your capacitor stops being a cap. And that's for pretty much all capacitors. So you're trying to get to a frequency value that you're, um, that's not where close to that self resonance value, right? And, and a lot of people go to the data sheet to go look for that up. Um, obviously, it's somewhat difficult to display if you imagine all the, uh, again, if you remember that equation, 1 over 2 pi frequency, uh, two, 2 pi frequency cap. Um, if, if we're going to put every single impedance value for every single capacitor and every single frequency, you're going to have this mess of a graph that you're going to try to understand. So in order to do that, we actually have developed a really cool um, tool, our KSIM tool online, is a, a simulator. And with that simulator, you, you can go and actually simulate a couple of different things. You can uh, go check out impedance and ESR. As I said, the impedance, the ESR is always going to be there. And on top of that, that um, the, the ESR also changes with frequency. But 
you're also going to be able to find things like, for example, um, I mentioned ESR, uh, capacitance drop, if, if there's any. Um, and you're also able to see some of your um, S11 and S12 values that you want to have for uh, overall um, modeling of a, of a component if you want to do that. And, and, and also in there, you're going to see the model of a capacitor, what, what it looks like with resistors and, and how the capacitance get affected. For example, we talk about um, insulation, right? Whenever you think of a capacitor, you just think of two plates. Well, there is actually a resistor that goes across those plates, which is going to be your insulation factor. So is your design going to be going over that insulation, right? What, what do we need to know about your design in order to make sure that, that those factors within the data sheet get, uh, are, are not violated? So there's quite a bit of things. So without really going into much detail on, on a specific data sheet, um, you, you have a, a whole bunch of things. Now, um, I know for a fact a lot of people look at a, um, a characteristic of a capacitor and, and, and wonders if they need to use it. And that's always been the case of um, the dissipation factor. And... Um, I don't want to go too deep into that um, unless you want me to. Well, <laughs> well yeah, first, what is dissipation factor? <laughs> oh, we're going to go into that. All right. <laughs> so uh, grab, grab your cup of coffee. And, and since we already talked about um, ESR, then may as well go into, and we talked about impedance, may as well go into dissipation factor. Um, well, given that uh, you, you guys brew, I think, Stephen, then you brew some uh, beer? Yeah, but both Parker and I do, yeah. yeah. Oh, and there you go. So you'll, you'll find this uh, correlation. Kind of I'm, I'm excited. Electrolytic capacitors <laughs> and beer brewing. You're speaking my language now. <laughs> so the dissipation factor, the way I look at it, and you'll probably find a correlation to something else as well, is um, if you think of a, a, a beer, right? So three-fourths of that beer is going to be uh, my my good beer that I'm going to be able to drink, and one-fourth of that is going to be the foamy top that some people like. Similar in the dissipation factor, that ratio of foam to actual beer is your dissipation factor. And, and probably you've heard this similar um, analogy with a power factor. So, so they are a little bit correlated, and, and it's a, a number that gives you the ratio of how well the energy that you store can be released. So it gives you that non-ideal character uh, value for that non-ideal capacitor, right? And, and the way you um, define that is the um, ESR over the impedance of the capacitor. So that's, that's your, uh, and so as, as, as your ESR is higher, your quality, that, that DF factor is going to be higher. So you want that number to be lower to get it as close as possible to your uh, ideal situation of a cap, which you'll never find, right? So, so, so that's, that's one way to explain. Now, it's also called um, tangent delta or loss tangent. And 
And so I'm gonna, we all have heard from our circuit basics that, um, that in, in a capacitor, um, the current leads the voltage, right? But we never, like, a lot of people are like, all right, they, they, they think about it, they, but they don't really like, okay, put it in a quiz, you're good. <laughs> in reality, if, if, you, if you think about this, um, the, it's called that is because if you try to put a voltage across a cap, that cap is going to look as a short, like a, as, as a resistor that has a very low value, and that current is going to go straight to, to ground or whatever you have it. Um, it it's going to chunt it, if you will. And as 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 the capacitor gets building up that that um, it gets being charged, that current starts tapering off and the voltage keeps rising, right? So so that that's why that current the, the 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 amount of current that comes out is higher and is leading the voltage because as a short, you're not going to have any voltage, but the current is going to be big. Therefore, the current is leading the voltage. Now it tells they always tell us the current is being led by ninety degrees, right? So if you plot that in a sine wave, you apply a sine wave across that capacitor, the, at a 90 degree um, shift, the current is going to be hitting that first and then the voltage, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the dissipation factor, and why I'm mentioning all this, is because the dissipation factor is the how that current doesn't hit that 90 degree due to the impurities and, and the non-ideal parts of the cap. And it's going to be less than 90 degrees. And the amount of angle from 90 degrees where the current is going to hit is your delta. And when you take the tan delta, the tangent of that delta angle, that's going to give you your um, dissipation factor. So a lot of cool math, a lot of Cool, and, and that happens to be equal to ESR over the impedance, right? So very cool stuff. But like we talked about, some people may want to use the impedance for some switching frequency, make sure that you don't go into self-resonance. Some people want to use the ESR, make sure it doesn't heat up. Makes it, but the dissipation factor is um, not everybody uses it. Uh, there are special cases, yes. There are some special people that uh, like to have it. But definitely, it's something that um, not everybody uses. But it's cool to know about. And we use it certainly for quali uh, quality control. It allows you to know how good a cap is, right? But apart from that, uh, it's one of those things in the data sheets that you look at it and say and wonder, am I OK with this part? <laughs> <laughs> so you were talking about the quality of the cap. Is that if it gets if that tan delta is closer to zero, so it's closer to 90? Correct. Okay. Nine, 90 Correct. is better, right? You, you, you right. want lower so, values of dissipation factor. Correct. Except, so, so here's where you probably heard of the quality factor or the Q of a cat. And, and so when those numbers become so small, uh, it's kind of hard to say, oh, it's got a 0.05, right? So we, we do that one over the dissipation factor and we get Q. And so that, that way it tells us we were able to use bigger numbers instead of saying 0. 0.0000 something. <laughs> for, any, for anyone who's listening right now that is a student in electrical engineering, 
I think I think you said it perfectly uh, earlier. Yeah, you get a piece of paper and then you start learning everything. Like, <laughs> like you get, that piece of paper just means that you survived four years of college and now you get to learn the real stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm telling you, certainly. So the dissipation factor is is uh, it kind of connects the dots between different aspects of the capacitors, right? Like you were saying, it's uh, well, it's 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 how off the uh, the act the current is from a pure reactive load, right? Or, uh, correct, uh, yeah. How how off it is from uh, uh, perfect, but uh, but so the reason. But the reason that it is off is due to the the um, the capacitor not being perfect. So it's it's due to the ESR and due to other aspects of the capacitor, right? The ESL too. Right, and and only that. So if, if you think about it, there's and based on the dielectric, uh, if you think about it, that ESR and the impedance is something that is tightly uh, coupled to the frequency. So the dissipation factor has to be tied to a frequency. Therefore. For example, you'll notice in our data sheets, um, we test the dissipation factor at um, 120 hertz and one volt RMS. And only that, it also could change because of temperature, right? Like we talked about capacitance changes in temperature and all this. Um, different dielectrics have different temperatures. And, and, and so um, we tested at 25C. So that dissipation factor is certainly some number that can move a, a based on your frequency and temperature. Um, so yeah, if you're using it, you, you, you know what value you need. Right, and I think I think really what what uh, a lot of this for me personally is, is kind of connecting the dots is you have all of these factors on a data sheet and there's a there's a good chance that you you need to really care about one or two of them and maybe a lot less about the others. But you have to know when to care about those, right? Or your design dictates which ones are the most important. Correct. So I, I think the, earlier you were talking about the dissipation factor is something that not a lot of people have to worry about. When, what kind of application would there be you would have to worry about this thing? Of course, you'll ask me that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... There are, and, and we do market uh, some MLCCs, uh, and, and when you care about this is when, when the amount of storage uh, on your cap is needed to deliver different things, right? So, for example, um, we, we do sell some um, high Q uh, MLCCs, our CBR series, and, and those are target, for example, to uh, people in RF. Um, when 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 we're doing uh, power and uh, in, in, let, let's say for example um, resonating circuits, uh, some of the resonators that you're wanting to have that amount of power available to you and not move away from, uh, or or you know you have to consider that based on you know you want to change on ESR or change on these things, um, that dissipation factor is going to be critical to them. Uh, and, and and if you think about um, and, and you look at resonators. Uh, they're tuned, and, and so when a resonator in a nutshell is you put a, a square wave in the one end and you get a sine wave in the other end for most of the time, right? And so um, that that resonating value is going to need uh, uh, some current that goes along with it. And and you want to be able to maximize that current, make sure that doesn't. So, so those values in there, those, those designs were... Um, they're important. Has to be in in an essence like resonators and and 
in, in RF applications certainly. Ivan, you mentioned uh, the capacitor as a storage, but it reminded me uh, one fact about the electrolytic capacitors. When you actually store the electrolytic capacitors for a longer time, things that um, designers need to uh, have in mind is that they build up, um, the leakage current will build up over time, just uh, sitting on the shelf. So uh, normally we, we specify and when, when they are needed to be put in use, we, we suggest that they are um, slowly um, increasing the voltage Right, so uh, ramp up to, to ramp up slowly the vo voltage and have it um, ha having the voltage uh, applied for for a certain period of time. This is this is something that is pretty much recommended. And also, another fun fact <laughs> is that they they can recharge by themselves. So uh, because of the di dielectric absorption, they they can build up. Uh, a voltage inside them, uh, approximately fifteen percent. Just over time, just fun, sitting right? there. Yes, hmm. that's always fun. So, yeah, um, especially so on on the big ones, right? The, the screw terminals. So those big ones, they, 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 and, and by big, uh, I'm going to what can I compare them to? Hmm. It's like a Coke can. Uh, a Pringles, yeah, like, like, Pringles, uh, a, a Pringles, yeah, a Pringles <laughs> um, uh, can, and. That that's going to uh, if you leave it sitting around, the the the, the cap is going to gen start uh, generating some voltage across. So actually, to store them, we we short them out so that we you know when we go to trade shows and things like that for those components that are stored and and then chipped out so that people that just don't handle them because those are heavily rated like a high voltage rated, and so if you think a, a component that's rated what what's one what's a high voltage rate. Like now we have uh, 550 volts from the big screw terminals. Okay, and and so so we we have uh, you know this big uh, you know I probably soon to launch a 700 volt uh, electrolytic. If if you think about 15 percent of that electrolytic being charged up, mm -hmm. and you go touch it, ouch, right? And so <laughs> that's one of those things, and um, but yeah. Um, so I'm I'm not missing. So what is the mechanic of it? getting that charge it's not just absorbing it by static it's what's the mechanism of it because because that's the thing is it's the voltage it's potential so work was put into the capacitor so where did it get that energy from to get that 15 percent charge and that is a very good question and um i think we we are gonna write some blog about that because we need to <laughs> make a better answer that's it that's an excellent answer yeah <laughs> i'll write a blog about that <laughs> let, let me yeah um okay so how about um these new polymer electrolytic capacitors what's uh what's so special about those so uh that that's uh, I think we we can have another uh, um, podcast about that. Right? <laughs> <Certainly>. <laughs> Will you write a blog because about that it? Will require, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, write two blogs about that one. Of course. So normally we talk about the uh, the electrolytic capacitors, the the VET technology, 
But then the polymers comes in and say, well, we are much better than you in terms of life when you, you have them operating at a little bit derated de and rated temperature. <laughs> so if you compare, um, I mentioned earlier about the, the wet uh, electrolytics, the life expectancy, uh, the life is, as per the, the rule of thumb, if you decrease 10 degrees, uh, temperature, the life doubles. Well, with the polymers, if you decrease 20 degrees C, the life is 10 times more. So this is um, coming up from, um, from because there is less heat generating during these uh, operations compared to the standard electrolytics. So um, they just have a lower ESR from correct. the get-go? Yes. Okay. They have much, much lower ESR. It's uh, so the the ripple current capability is much higher. Um, also, there is no electrolyte leakage potential. Um, also, it stands for them that there is no need of voltage derating. And um, I must mention that currently we are launching a, a extension of of the new SMD series. Uh, sorry, it's not extension, it's a new uh, SMD series that is going up to 125 degrees C, um, which is pretty cool. <laughs> so I like these, the polymers in particular, they, it's a great technology um, in a sense that, as, as you mentioned, uh, Parker, you, you hit it on, the, the ESR value drops uh, quite a bit and, and it allows those uh, higher ripple currents to, to occur. And, and, and so in my perspective, that, that, that's a, a plus. Now, one of the things that there, there's always drawbacks and one of the things with, electro, uh, with uh, polymer, uh, aluminum polymer, is that um, you have a little bit of a higher uh, leakage current. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. So one of the things we need to be careful if your application is leakage current sensitive, um, the polymer might not be the best uh, choice. It, it, I'm also just uh, noticing, and maybe this isn't necessarily true for Kemet, but uh, polymer caps are expensive. <laughs> they're they're quite a bit more expensive than electros. Right, um, and you know, obviously, the, the 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 benefits of longer life is, is something that is uh, very attractive, right? So, as we talked about the as as you, it allows you to do uh, a 20 degree drop in in your rated. It gives you ten times the 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 uh, lifetime, right? Yeah, I mean that's one of the things. But then, when you consider if you pick and choose uh, same dimensions voltage that we discussed, we gotta do this experiment, right? Right. To compare the electrolytic, uh, wet electrolytic, and the polymer, um, the because of this ESR difference. Um, how many capacitor? How many polymer capacitors you would need to use uh, versus with wet when you apply the same, let's say, ripple current to to them? So that will make the difference. Maybe you would be using, let's say, I'll just uh, drop a number like uh, twenty wet, and then you just gonna need uh, four polymers. That that would be so the trade off. Sure. It doesn't necessarily mean yeah you you need one and then compare it that one with the one wet. Yeah, it will be more expensive, the polymer, but um, there is a trade-off. 
And and one of the things to think about if if you're thinking of like say a switching regulator, right? Um, some of that ripple voltage when you're doing your um, smoothing out of your of of your uh, voltage output, that ripple current is going to uh, and, and well the current and the voltage um, that ESR is is going to cause that uh, uh, ripple voltage, and and it's got to do with the fact that the ripple current as you're switching on and off the the, the inductance is that that current is going to go uh, fluctuating over the capacitor that ESR is going to generate some of that ripple voltage you're going to see on your voltage output. And so as you're going to, um, you try to minimize that ripple by lowering your ESR. And so, and to do that, you can add different types of capacitors in, in a bank. So uh, let's say you put a, a whole bunch of um, aluminum uh, electrolytic capacitors together in order to reduce that ripple voltage or you can use one of the polymers and you're going to already be reducing that, 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 that ripple voltage, obviously. Now, um, one of the things that kind of came to mind when I was talking about this is our casing tool actually allows you to put together different types of caps and be able to see how that impedance gets dropped in a, uh, you know, in, in a, in a waveform type of, um, output. So, so let's say you you're like, oh, I need um, this type of impedance over um, a frequency range. Then you start adding. Let's say you add your your um, electrolytics. Then you add your MLCCs. Then you put some polymers in there, and then you have a full um, um, wide band frequency that you're targeting during that filtering. So. Something interesting to look at when, and, and I don't know if I mentioned uh, our casing tool is at um, casing.chemet.com. And so uh, go out in there, play with it. It's, it's really fun just to see uh, what would happen or, or how those different parameters are going to affect the, the, the values of your impedance. Uh, that's actually was the, um, the example I was going to give Steven is usually when you're designing a, a switching regulator, you need a, you, your capacitor, output capacitors usually have to be kind of low ESR, or if not, they tend to heat up a lot and then explode. Uh, <laughs> the first couple switching regulators I tried to design myself, they exploded. Um, <laughs> and, and so you generally use a lot of ceramic capacitors for it, but the problem with ceramic capacitors is you typically are their low values and, and you some you need to get into you know the couple of these couple hundred microfarad range a lot of times and so you either go okay ceram i can't put enough ceramic capacitors because it just takes up too much board real estate so i'm going to go tantalum tantalums are really expensive capacitors and so but electrolytics you, you could put electrolytic in there but typically they had esrs that were too high those would heat up and explode so I haven't played a lot with polymers, but polymers might be that middle ground where you can get away with a couple ceramics and then a polymer instead of having to go with uh, ceramics and then a tantalum. I don't know. Here, I'm going to guess. Here's something that I like to kind of, uh, you know, and uh, in, in because we kind of get involved a little bit with our uh, discussion on polymer alone. So when we talked about polymer, uh, we're talking about aluminum polymer. So, so Correct. the the, the the construction is a little bit different than, for example, our tantalum polymer, um, which is different than our tantalum MnO2, which is the, um, so. So, if you think about it, those yellow that when, when people talk about tantalum, they, they refer to those yellow capacitors 
um, which uh, are tantalum uh, MnO2. And, and so our tantalum polymer is another uh, technology uh, within our portfolio that's capable of having a high density and take advantage of these polymer uh, characteristics in a small package. And so, you know, you have the uh, tantalum as a, as, as, as a material, it's, it's really uh, rich and dense. Um, I don't think there's anything else that can uh, contrast the, the capabilities of, a, of, of the polymer to deliver energy. And, and being polymer makes them really safe. Um, and, and, and so that you can contrast a little bit with the aluminum polymer, um, which is also a low ESR component, low ESR value. So um, different technologies to pick from, uh, different you know designs, criteria, voltage levels that you need um, to be able to support your design based on what you need. So yeah. All right, so uh, we have a couple of questions that were actually generated from our um, Slack channel, and uh, you mind just answering one or two of those? Uh, oh yeah, we we uh, we kind of just put it out there this week, saying, "Hey, we're going to have some uh, some electrolytic capacitor people on. Send us your questions." And we got a whole bunch of them, which is fantastic. Um, <laughs> and we we already covered most of it. Yeah, we did. I've been I've been knocking them off the list. So yeah, we'll do one or two of them here. Um, so uh, this one, um, I'm actually really interested on this also. Um, so how so the difference between leaving a capacitor on, uh, in other words, it's in its um, uh, it's in its steady state mode of receiving current and, uh, and, and giving current versus turning a device off and having it sustain that initial inrush. Uh, is there an impact on the life of the capacitor one way or the other, like multiple inrush currents or just forever on? Well, inrush currents, um, we, we've done pretty much, uh, we have some testings that we need to go through and these are, um, how to say, the screw terminals and, and the snappings, these are capacitors that can handle pretty high uh, inrush currents. So it really depends, you know, if you're using it at, um, at inside this space, specified limits that we we mention all the time they can they will live up to what is specified but um, if it's being used uh short in in rush currents and having on and off for a shorter period of time then it's still you're gonna get the the best out of the capacitor we we really have some um high High, high testing um, values that we need to meet. So um, for IEC certifications. And if, if, if you think about it, um, current, obviously, as you mentioned, is the uh, heating mechanism for that capacitor, right? And so definitely uh, how you look at that current, and, and I'm not too sure, you know, it's kind of hard to say, you're going to have full current on on a cap. Not too sure how that'll work, uh, right? Your voltage has to drop or something. Um, but but certainly that um, the, the current is the one of those characteristics that, like we talked about, that ESR value is going to generate a hot spot. It's going to be 
at the end of the day, what limits the ability of your capacitor to last certain periods of time. Yeah, I would also imagine it would also depend on the application. Because if you're running that capacitor full tilt all the time when your device is on, and it's a 10,000 hour rated cap, you got a year and a couple months of that <laughs> device working. It's 10,000 hours. Yeah, 10,000 yeah. hours. Okay. Or like you turn it off when you're not using it, right? I guess, right. I guess the point was the inrush current can be significantly higher than its ripple current, right? So is that does that cause more damage to the capacitor than running it at its ripple current? Normally, as I, as I said, uh, these uh, screw terminals and snappings that we, we talk about, um, they can handle very high ripple uh, inrush current. So they, they are not because those in, inrush currents are for very short period of time and they cannot uh, heat up um, quick enough the, the core that is actually affecting um, is get, getting to the life shortage. Right. That makes sense. And it probably also goes back to if like the caps are sitting for a long time slowly ramping up the voltage to prevent them from uh, losing too much of their, you know, electrolytic juice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, another quick one about uh, the actual uh, screw screw terminals. Um, one of our listeners was asking about, uh, are the actual screws that go into the screw terminal, are they intended to also carry current or are they just purely there to uh, hold down whatever terminals you have? And also, should you uh, do your best to match the material of the screw to the screw terminals material itself? So if I understood well, the question is the, the screw terminals are passing current? Uh, right? The actual screw itself. Uh, is the screw intended to pass current along with it? Or is that not? So the, the connection, but the question is if, if the screw is the one that's going inside the, con the, the terminal, is the screw meant to be made? So if you were to make it out of plastic, were you expecting the screw to be the part that conducts current? Or is the terminal connection? The, the terminal the terminal connection is the one that's passing through the, the current. So it, it has to be connected to something that is passing through current. So, so you could technically use like a nylon screw if you could get the torque of the <laughs> nylon. Because there's a torque rating for them right. uh, for the terminals. So if, if, if you use a nylon screw, it would still function correctly. Well, we, we have some accessories for the screw terminals, and they are nylon screws, too. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess, I guess you're not uh, uh, banking on the fact that the screw will also pass current. The terminal is rated at the full current, which most of the time those, those terminals are pretty hefty and beefy. But uh, then also, uh, the yeah, the actual terminals are – so they're – are they aluminum? I, I think so, right? Uh, so should the screw, uh, if it's you know if it is a metal, should it also be aluminum? Um, I'm not sure about that side of the part, but I guess I'll have to because yeah, the similar the similar uh, metals, uh, that 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 the similar metal that you know what that makes another perfect block spot. <laughs> block post, yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't think I have a uh, think about that. And so we'd certainly ought to put that down and it'd be interesting to, to know, to, to find out more. So we'll, we'll, we'll write something up. 
yeah i guess also if you yeah if you're if you're thinking about writing a, a um, blog post on that if you're doing a bus bar or something should that also match the material of the terminals i would think so right it, anything that makes contact with it you would want to be similar uh metals steven we're going to redesign the super simple power supply yeah you're right because i had copper bars going right across it <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I don't I don't know the metallurgy enough to know if that's a problem. Well, fantastic. Parker, do you have a you have anything you want to add to that? Uh I don't think so. I think um I actually I have I have one more question and it deals with electrolytics as well. Um and this might be getting a little out of the weeds uh given our current topics, but signals through electrolytic capacitors cuz usually when you're doing with like um when you're sending signals like RF signals or um, audio signals, you use a polarized capacitors, a lot of times electrolytics to be a DC blocker. Why is that a thing? Steven might even can actually answer that question. I don't know. Like why, why does a capacitor in series to a signal block DC uh, voltage, but allow the AC signal to go through? Oh, the actual why a capacitor lets yeah. current go through? No, no, no. Why does it allow an, the the AC side of a of a signal go through, but blocks the DC side? I think it if goes... you put it in series. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, you, you ask, <laughs> <laughs> you, we we need about two three months worth of uh, Maxwell equations to to tell you that in a little bit, uh, because yeah, you're right, right? So if you put a, a cap in series. They are completely isolated, both plates by a dielectric. Mm -hmm. And so how that current goes through, I mean, when, when you know that if, if you put a resistor in, 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 in a loop, they're going to charge up that cap, so current must be going through, right? But right. certainly in, in order to answer that has to do with, you know, the, the electric field that's generated within the capacitor dielectric and how that, you know, it's a, it's a full... Um, uh, professor type <laughs> physics and materials guys uh maxwell equation type of <laughs> question that um i don't think i can answer it so actually uh, so um as sort of a sidebar to that how about just okay instead of capacitors in series or anything like that uh most of the time you see electrolytic capacitors as bulk storage uh or for smoothing purposes you don't see you see film and ceramic and things like that more for actually passing signals through them why don't we use electrolytics to pass signals through like if you were doing coupling between uh, amplifier stages and things like that you, you don't normally see that being done by an electrolytic what's why not so electrolytic has this great uh, advantage over a lot of the other components is one of them obviously uh, price uh, but the other one is its ability to hold a lot of charge and so it, it, it's it's the question is well why don't we use a truck to go to work? <laughs> well, I mean yeah, <laughs> uh, but but overall you kind of want to uh, use the right tools for the right thing, right? So um, electrolytics tend to be bulkier, um, and 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 they are um, because of its construction they they are polarized. And so normally when you have a, a so let's say a series, uh, uh, a cap that you're putting in series, uh, as you mentioned earlier, you're going to be passing AC through it, right? And so in, in essence, you cannot have a polarized capacitor. Um, and so that's why film, in, in on, on the other words, is, is utilizing in those aspects. 
in in the if you think of film it, it doesn't have any polarization and so it, it's great to make you know like simple um, you know power supplies and things of that nature um, so I don't know if that answered the question but it, it's kind of towards that end right the similar you can use uh, MLCCs to pass small signals or a small AC um, and, and, and filter those out no I, 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 yeah absolutely I think I think that answered the question I think um, the 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 answer boils down to a lot of um, uh, it's just not the right cap for that situation. That's not saying you couldn't do it. It's just there's better options. Correct. And again, the polarity. Right. Uh, making sure that the polarity doesn't it's not reverse biased. Uh, some some caps do not like to be reverse biased <laughs> whatsoever. So if Stephen, you have any more questions? No, I think that's good. Uh, we really appreciate you guys coming on and uh enlightening us on a lot of these topics uh it was certainly yeah. fantastic yeah thank you and so thank where can our listeners find out more about kemet and the tools that you're all talking about today well um certainly so um i wanted to you know kind of give uh, out uh, our uh, shout out to our cake lab uh, we we do a lot of things here we want to grow our community our feedback our engagement um, so you guys can obviously uh, go to engineeringcenter.com forward slash cake. That's K-A-I-C. And uh, I can't believe we didn't make enough jokes about cake because we have all the puns here. But um, but certainly uh, our cake lab is we, we're here to help. We're here to um, try to come up with videos that uh, help different uh, engineers with questions that maybe everybody has and, and nobody has answered. Um, so, so we, we kind of want to make sure that we um, are part of that conversation. And if you guys want to reach us, we again, uh, that's um, engineeringcenter.com. And then obviously we have our social media channels. Uh, we, we love to hear from you from social media. It makes it easier, faster. Uh, our Twitter account, we're at Kemet Capacitors. We also have our Instagram account at Kemet Electronics. And you can follow us on YouTube, uh, Facebook. Uh, we were pretty active in there. If you ask us, we'll 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 answer. So um, go, you know, follow us, and and we'll 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 try to get to all your questions as as soon as we can. And uh, I will be looking forward to those blog posts that y'all been talking about. Certainly. <laughs> 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 and uh, with that, would y'all want to sign us out? Um, certainly. So this was the micro Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We were your guests, Ivan Kidos. And Susanna Yankoska. And we're your hosts, Parker Doman. And Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Take it easy. Thank you. Yes, you are a listener for downloading our show. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic, let Stephen and I know. Tweet us at MacFab, at Longhorn Engineer, or at analog eng or email us at podcast at macfab.com also check out our slack channel if you're not subscribed to the podcast yet click that subscribe button that way you get the latest map episode right when it releases and please review us wherever you listen as it helps this show stay visible and helps new listeners find us